Welcome to the podcast. My guest today is David Bolton, who is the executive director and CEO of the California Missions Foundation. Uh, first of all, Mr. Bolton, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here for sure. Uh, so I'd like to have a conversation today about several related issues, uh, the California Missions, St. Junipero Serra, uh, the California Missions Foundation, and then maybe some of your personal interests in the in the uh, the missions themselves. So why don't we begin with the, the basic question of what are the California missions? There's 21 California missions. 20 of them were founded during the time that Spain was here in the Americas. And one of the missions uh, was founded and set up shop after Mexico's independence from Spain. The missions were part of a system that Spain set up throughout the Americas that included the missions in terms of the church and the areas to work with the native community, and then simultaneous, the chain of presidios, which were the government branch of Spain's entrance into the Americas. So the presidios and the missions work side by side as Spain looked to spread itself throughout all corners of the Americas. The missions in California were some of the last missions set up by Spain in the Americas. The process began shortly after Spain's arrival in the late 15th and early 16th century and really continued until probably the end of the first third of the 19th century when many of the countries throughout the Americas earned their independence from Spain and became countries as we know them today. Um, you talked about uh, the presidios and then the missions. Can you talk more about their relationship? Were they physically in the same space? How did they sort of walk hand in hand? Were there tensions because they had sort of a different goal or objectives? You often hear the separation of church and state. And I think that describes exactly what the system Spain put in place here was, where the presidios were the state, the governing branch of Spain here in the Americas and the missions being the church side of things. They they definitely worked side by side. The presidios, if we look at California, Alta California, there were four presidios and each presidio covered five to six missions. And the presidios were part of a presidio district. So if you look at the state of California, there were basically four presidio districts and within each district were, were five to six missions. Now, the Presidio being the government side of things had the military. It had the Comandante, the head of the Presidio. It had the lieutenants. It had the soldiers. It had their families. Many of the families that we know about in, in, in Alta California post-missions came from those families that were connected to the soldiers at the Presidios. So the Presidios were the military arm of Spain's expansion into the Americas, and the missions were used to bring the Native communities under the, the umbrella of Catholicism, and also a place where the Franciscan friars in the, in the history of California also taught the young Native community things that Spain brought from Europe and the European way of life. They taught them music. They taught them a variety of things that Spain was trying to use and teach to the, com the communities here so that 
all of the communities of California kind of followed the way of life that, that Spain had and at the time thought was a good way of life. So you had the presidios with the military and, and the government side of things and the missions as the church. And in many respects, in many areas, there was separation of church and state. Junipero Serra, after the second presidio was established at Monterey along with a mission, asked for the mission there at Monterey to be separated from the presidio. And one year later, after its establishment, the Monterey mission was was moved to Carmel and became the, the Carmel mission, which is one of the most widely visited of any of the Alta California missions. So even during the Spanish period of time, there was the separation of church and state. But both branches, the mission system and the presidio system, all came under the control at the time of the king of Spain. The missions obviously have a, an evangel, uh, evangelical uh, focus, but uh, to say that the missions only had a religious uh, focus would, would be incorrect, that they are integrated in the lives of the community. So that means that obviously the religious, but the cultural, the economic, the social aspect of the people. So can you talk about some of the other aspects that the missions, in addition to evangelization, how, the roles that the missions played in the lives of, of, uh, of the native peoples? They served as a, as a platform, a location for culture, music, and, and other things to be um, passed on to the native community. The language, the introduction of the language, the Spanish language. There were also trades that were, that were taught. Um, these missions were working missions. These missions had everything from candle making to um, agriculture to the creation of tremendous aqueduct systems. There was the, the building, the, the introduction of the construction industry uh, came out of these missions. Yes, it wasn't always, hey, I'm here willing to work, but it was often looked at as, as more of a you-have-to-work situation. But there were these trades that, that came out and were taught to the people. Uh, there was the culture, as I mentioned, and then there was also the religious component. We'd um, both, I think, mentioned uh, St. Junipero Serra and his sort of, uh, he, he had an instrumental role in the mission. So uh, can you give us a thumbnail sketch on, on who uh, Junipero Serra was and uh, what was his role uh, with the missions? Junipero Serra came from a family in the island of Mallorca. He was born uh, in a small town in the inland part of Mallorca, Petra de Mallorca. It's believed that his family were conversos, um, original Jewish families that converted to Catholicism following the Reconquista, the reconquest that was put in place by Ferdinand and Isabel in and around 1492. He early on took an interest uh, in being part of the church. His family sent him to a, a large church in uh, Palma de Mallorca, which is the, the main city on the coast. And he studied there. And then he made his way across to the continent of Spain. And there were many Franciscans like him and other uh, orders that were given the opportunity 
to get on a boat and go across the Atlantic to the far off lands of, of the Americas. He got a ticket on the boat by accident. Um, there was somebody on the boat that the ship that decided not to go or was taken off. And so there was an opening. And after hanging around southern Spain, he was able to make the journey across. He arrived in Mexico at Veracruz, where all the ships at that time were arriving, made his way across to Mexico City, studied there further um, at one of the Franciscan colleges, one of the colegios in Mexico City. Then from there, he was dispatched to the mountains of Querétaro. And Querétaro is located about two hours north of Mexico City. One of the main native groups there is the PAMES, P-A-M-E-S. And there were a series of missions that Junipero Serra helped to establish, um, Tilaco, Landa, several of them have very ornate uh, facades and and really are um, outstanding pictures of what missions in that period looked like. From Caretero, he went back to Mexico City and his life changed in 1767 with the expulsion of the Jesuits. They were asked to leave all corners of the Americas. In that period, just prior to the expulsion, if you draw a line right up the middle of Mexico from south to north and into the U.S., everybody to the west of that line, all the missions to the west of that line were Jesuit. All the missions to the east of that line towards the Gulf of Mexico were Franciscan. So when the Jesuits were expelled, it opened up a huge vacuum on the western side of Mexico. Those were some of the first missions that were established in Sinaloa, Sonora, and then into Baja California. So with that opening and that need to continue to run these missions, Junipero Serra was dispatched to the West. And he was put in place in the southern portion of Baja California and took over the Baja California missions of, that had been set up by the Jesuits. He was there a while, and then the Franciscans as a whole reset their sights on the more fertile land that it would become in Alta California. So in 1769, he took off from Loreto. The journey was 650 miles to present-day San Diego. They said that he was traveling by foot, but the historians that have done the research think that it was a combination of walking and on horseback. Um, he made the way north, about halfway between Loreto and, and San Diego. The Franciscans set up the only mission that was established by Franciscans in Baja California. They set that mission up, but then they continued to Alta California, ultimately arriving and in the summer of 1769, establishing the first mission at San Diego. The Franciscans, including Junipero Serra, left the Baja California missions now in the hands of the Dominicans. Hence why there's only one mission that was established in Baja California by the Franciscans. The Franciscans now 100% focus on Alta California. And Junipero Serra was a big part of the establishment of the first nine missions. From San Diego, 
he moved north via ship and the mission and presidio at monterey was established second and then the expansion continued san antonio de padua san gabriel san luis obispo and they continued to establish missions throughout the state junipero serra late in his life focused specifically and with great interest on the central portion of the state in and around santa barbara and pretty much what today is the the county of santa barbara it was a, a an area that was inhabited for thousands of years by the Shumash. The Shumash were a native community, one of four seafaring communities from Alaska to Chile. They had tomols, T-O-M-O-L, tomols, which were plank canoes. And the beaches in this area have natural tar that comes out, and they used those in order to seal the planks and allowed them to not only go across the 30-mile passage to our Channel Islands, but there have been DNA studies done with Native communities along the western coast, and the four seafaring communities between Alaska and Chile are all showing connections in, with DNA, so you wonder how far those ships went. So Junipero Serra set his eye on the area around the present-day city of Santa Barbara, about an hour to the north and to the south, and his vision was to establish a handful of missions that could focus on the Shumash, which was one of the most advanced communities throughout the native Californian. And he established the ninth mission at Ventura, Mission San Buenaventura, about 30 miles south of Santa Barbara. He then moved next to the present-day city of Santa Barbara. And it was in Santa Barbara in 1782, that Junipero Serra established what he wrote in his diary at the time and in the records, La Misión y el Presidio, the mission and the Presidio of Santa Barbara. However, shortly after raising the founding cross, he had a not on the same page conversation with the governor at the time, and the governor refused to allow a mission to be put in Santa Barbara. So, the site that Junipero Serra called El Presidio y la Misión, in the records, they crossed out La Misión and it became the Presidio of Santa Barbara. He was determined to establish a mission in Santa Barbara, determined to establish a mission for the Shumash in this area. He waited patiently for two years. 1784, returning to his beloved Carmel, still without permission to establish a mission at Santa Barbara. And he passed away before Mission Santa Barbara. And another piece to this vision of his to establish these handful of missions in the Shumash area. Two years later, his successor, Fermin Laoswen, established Santa Barbara. And then in the next few years, the mission of La Purisima, an hour north of Santa Barbara, and then ultimately in, in Santianes. So the vision and the dream of Sarah to have a handful of missions in this central part of the country, the home of the Shumash, did become reality. It's just that the final pieces to that reality did not happen during his lifetime. So for many respects, Junipero Serra is looked at as the father of the California missions or the Alta California missions. When you look at his 
travels from Mallorca to the mainland of Spain, across the Atlantic, through Mexico, into these areas that were very remote, tops of mountains, and then making his way across Mexico to Baja California and into Alta California at San Diego, ultimately Monterey. What a journey. Uh, And a journey that I'm sure was full of so many moments um, on so many different levels. And, and he's, I think, remembered today as probably the most familiar face that's connected to the California missions. And when you talk about the missions and the Junipero Serra missions, it's probably one of the finest collection of mission architecture and remnants of this very important chapter in all of our history. Uh, I, I want to, that, that was a great summary. I'd like to have you expand a little bit more on that very last point that you made. So the missions were obviously important for, uh, we talked about the sort of social, economic, cultural aspects and spreading the gospel. Um, but it wasn't, th- th- they weren't just important for um, spreading the gospel uh, to the Shumash and others, but they were sort of foundational for the history of California. So can you talk more about how were they important for the history of California in general? And um, why, why are they still important today for California? In other words, why are these not just sort of his, historical artifacts in, of the past, but, but they continue to influence and be important for, for California today? So the missions, I think, changed societies in the Americas in a way that is probably one of the biggest transformations of culture. Um, anywhere in the world. When you look at the amount of people today that speak Spanish, the the way that the European way of life in that period was passed on to the Native community, was instilled in the Native community, it really changed the way of life for all of the Native communities uh, throughout California and, and all the places where missions were established. I often say that what happened in California during the mission period is similar to what happened in so many corners of the Americas. Missions were set up in South America, Central America, throughout Mexico. And it was really a way for Spain to bring more and more people under the the power of the King of Spain. The the missions were were life-changing in many ways. They were tragic in some ways in terms of European disease and other things were brought into this area that ended up being um, huge, huge uh, things for the Native communities to be able to tolerate. Um, there's, there's versions that members of the Native community say that they were forced to be at the missions. It, it's really interesting when you look at the mission period. Um, some people really feel that the missions and the mission system did a lot of good. There's another group that equally feels that the mission system was not all that good. Um, It's the same, I think, in so many parts of of our life that there's sometimes very contrasting opinions and beliefs. But the missions were very impactful in terms of changing the way of life and really leaving the legacy of this new way of life is becoming the norm. Um, The missions today 
continue to be active parishes, center centers of their communities, focal points of their communities, very much the same way as they ended up being the focal point of these cities that Spain created. Because the reality is Spain didn't just set up a mission, but it set up cities, it set up governance, it set up all kinds of monetary controls and systems. And and it was more than just a church to evangelize individuals. It was a place to really put a whole new way of life uh, over a community that up until that time didn't really live under those those rules or 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 that type of of structure i think that it also left a huge impact in terms of linking together peoples of the americas the reality is that prior to spain's arrival there were native communities throughout the americas but they were linked in no way the incas in south america had no back and forth with the aztecs the Aztecs in Mexico City had no contact with the native communities in California. When Spain came and set up these missions, it really allowed these areas to then become independent countries. Mexico, the mass amount of land that became independent Mexico, didn't exist as a unified area until Spain arrived and brought all these independent native communities under one umbrella, which was Spain at the time. So the missions impacted societies with a new way of life, but it also created the countries that we have today throughout the Americas. And today, even further, they continue to serve as that community focal point, that that the heart of many of these communities today. And it's interesting because the parishioners are so widespread. You have other communities from Europe, whether they're Irish or Italian that are in the Catholic parishes. You have descendants of the Spanish and descendants of the the mix of Spanish and native peoples that go there. You have native communities that, especially their elders, that are and were married and are being buried at these missions today. So they continue to be relevant. They also stand as these buildings and sites that allow people to look back and be able to share their stories, their family stories, their community stories about the impact of the missions the role that the missions played, whether good or bad in their family history, in their community history. And so they're very relevant to keep around. And that's why the California Missions Foundation is dedicated to keeping these buildings standing because it allows the history and the stories to continue to be passed on and talked about into future generations. Uh, Unipro Serra was canonized by Pope Francis in 2015, which was fairly recently. Uh, and, and since there, there's been a, a pushback against him. Uh, you sort of mentioned that there are people who uh, today uh, and, and then I'm sure uh, did not like the mission system. Uh, certainly, you know, we believe in original sin, so nothing is perfect. Um, but what do these protesters who uh, a couple of years ago turned violent and, and tore down a statue of 
St. Junipero, Sarah. Uh, what do they not understand or misinterpret about him? Missions? I think a lot of this anger directed at Junipero Serra is actually an accumulation of anger at so many things that we have in our world today. Very few statues exist. I can go in my car here in Santa Barbara. I can drive around this town all day. I can drive to the next town an hour away, 30 minutes away. It'll take me forever to find a statue of a human being. In Santa Barbara, we have dolphin statues down at the beach. There's no former presidents. There's no former generals. There's no statues. In the early 1900s, an architect, very prominent and successful architect in Southern California, came up with the idea to create statues of Junipero Serra and gift them to each mission to put near their entrance. William Hannon spent a lot of money to make these statues. And many people say that the statues actually resemble more William Hannon than they do Junipero Serra. So what's interesting is that as people have taken out aggression and anger on Junipero Serra, they're really slicing off the head of a statue of an architect who didn't do anything wrong in Los Angeles. So I don't feel that if people really got to understand what Junipero Serra did, his separation and his efforts to separate the mission from the Presidio in Monterey, it's a great example. He did it for one reason. He was not happy with the way the soldiers were treating members of the native community there at that mission. So he fought for separation to protect the natives. That system of separation between the Presidio and the missions ended up extending throughout California to other places. Junipero Serra also created a Bill of Rights for Native Americans here in California to protect their interests and to make sure that they were taken care of. So out of all of the people that came here to work or were appointed here by the kings of Spain during the two or 300 year period, he was probably one of the most supportive and defenders of the Native community. I understand that People, some people may feel that the mission system was bad. I understand that some people may think that the world would have been better here in the Americas had the missions not come. But when you look at the facts, I really feel they're going after the wrong guy. And I also feel that a lot of that anger that was directed at him and other things were only and were probably directed at him because he's the only guy that has a statue anywhere in the state. So it became, if you were angry with, say, what was happening in Washington on either side of the aisle or whatever, you had anger, take it out on the statue. If you weren't happy with inflation or this or that, take it out on the guy with the statue. If you didn't like the mission system, take it out on the guy, even though he was probably the most supportive guy in the mission system of making sure the natives were treated as best as possible under the environment of the mission system. I mentioned earlier that you're the executive director and CEO of the California Missions Foundation. Uh, Tell us about that foundation. What is it? What is its mission? And uh, what sort of programming do you do? The California Missions Foundation was 
established in 1998. We're, we're looking at our 25th anniversary. It was established to raise money to preserve these missions. It's really interesting when you look at the California missions. They were built with by natives with Spanish supervision. They were passed over to the hands of Mexico following its, following its independence. They were then passed over to the U.S. after the U.S. expanded out west. They fell into disrepair, but they were preserved, restored, and rebuilt by members of the United States community that moved to the west from the east coast. Many of them were not Catholic. Many of them did not have a drop of Latin blood, but they saw these buildings both for their architectural beauty. They fell in love with this area and they really funded and made these missions to what they are today. If it wasn't for that group of transplants from the East Coast that came here in the late 1800s and early 1900s, we would not have missions today. It's that spirit of preserving, giving back that the California Missions Foundation was founded and based its early years on doing everything possible to make sure that these missions would still be standing as we look into next generations. Also, it's very important to understand that a lot needs to be done to aging buildings, no matter what style they are. Um, and, and so there is that need to constantly work on these buildings. And CMF is very proud of what it's been able to do in 25 years. At the time, it was the only organization raising money specifically for the missions. Since our inception, many of the missions are also ramping up their local fundraising efforts, which have become very successful because people want to give local. So as we've moved into our 25th year, we're continuing to work side by side with the missions and the local communities to keep these buildings still standing as we move into the next generations. We also have an education program. We provide field trips to fourth graders around the state as part of their annual study of the missions. We have incorporated scholars and historians into our CMF family that have done so much to uncover the records, the writings from that period that allow us to tell the story of Junipero Serra and others. So we right now have a mission statement of working to preserve the 21 California missions and presidios and related historic buildings, and also to continue educating about the history. We work closely with Native communities. We, we've just recently worked in San Inez with the Shumash and, and bringing the community together with the, with the mission. And it's something that we continue to do and are very proud of our efforts to work with all of the groups that make up what we call a very important history, a very important part of U.S. history. And that's the history of the California missions and all the peoples that in one way or another were touched by and continue to be touched by these historic missions. A few questions about you. Um, what interests you about the missions? Why have you decided or dedicated your 
your time, your effort, your energy to uh, preserving these uh, missions and studying their history? Very rarely do you find something or a group of something that has had such a large impact and has changed our world in the ways that the mission system did here in the Americas. I'm fascinated by all of the peoples, all of the passing on of culture originating in the Middle East, coming across to Northern Africa following the death of Mohammed, making its way for 700 years into Spain, making its way across the Atlantic into the Americas, and being mixed in with what was already here to make these communities, the peoples, the food, the culture. And and it's really fascinating to be able to see how many and how many different cultures have become or have played a role in one way or another in the missions, the architecture, the culture, the food, the people, the language. There are so many words in the Spanish language that come from the Arabic language. Um, Most of the words that start with an A all originated. Alfombra, which means carpet. Almohada, which means pillow. Adobe. Missions were made of adobe bricks throughout the Americas. All Arabic words. A lot of the foods. A lot of the peoples. It was very interesting after the 9-11 incident in 2001. A lot of my friends from northwest Mexico in the area of Sinaloa looked at people on the TV that were being accused of things and all of a sudden saw similarities with their relatives in Sinaloa, the eyebrows, the features. And that really fascinated me. And I wanted to learn more. And that's when I was able to put together the whole movement from the Middle East after the death of Mohammed and the expansion of Islam across and the peoples that came with it, and then tracing it into Spain and into here. And I now you can put the dots together and understand why peoples in different regions have similar characteristics. The same with the Jewish connection to the missions. Most of the names that we know today of being, say, Mexican last names, Gutierrez, Ramirez, Alvarez, Sanchez, they all originate of having been a Sephardic Jewish last name. And when you start to see all of this, it just becomes a fascinating story. And when I really got involved, I started finding out new stuff every day. And it just opened up my fascination to know more, to learn more about the architecture. I love architecture. I love these buildings. But things like the roof tiles came from Northern Africa, the Arab communities that had come across to Morocco. The arches, arches began in the Middle East and made their way across into Northern Africa and then got adopted and became a lot of the tile work. So it's this connection to try to understand the whole story that really has created this fascination for me. And it's it's made me want to be a part of it. It's made me want to learn more about it. And it's made me want to be able to share it with as many people as I can. Have you been to all of the missions and which of the missions is your favorite? I have been to all of the 21 missions in California, probably just prior to COVID twice a year. Um, I've been to missions throughout Baja California. I've been to most of the missions in Sinaloa, Sonora, and Arizona. 
I've been to most of the missions in New Mexico. I've been to all of the missions in El Paso. I visited all the missions in San Antonio, Texas. I visited mission sites throughout Florida, the Presidio at St. Augustine. I've been at the site in South Carolina, the northernmost place they went to. I've been throughout multiple mission in Presidio towns in Mexico. I've traveled the entire Jesuit mission corridor in South America from Bolivia into Paraguay, into Northwest Argentina and Southwest Brazil. I've seen dozens and hundreds of missions and mission sites. Here in California, when you ask a question, what's your favorite? There's many missions that are my favorite for something. Mm-hmm. I love the building at Santa Barbara. I don't think there's a historic mission anywhere that's more impressive than the building, the facade, the whole kind of structure at Santa Barbara. I truly enjoy San Antonio de Padua, which is just on the other side of the mountain from Hearst Castle in the middle of the state. It's surrounded by uh, a, a vast military base. And because of that, nothing's been built up around it. So when you get to that mission, it really takes you back in time to what it was like to be in these missions and to see what was around, which was nothing but nature. There's missions that I like at, at San Miguel and San Francisco that have the native paintings still there on the ceiling or different aspects. And that is fascinating because it really allows you to connect to the hands and the minds that work so hard under Spain's direction and control to build these missions, which were the native communities. So there's there's many that I'd like as my favorite for something. I can't just select one because so many of them have characteristics that you can't find anywhere else. They're all something special. They all have their own special feel and vibe. And I think we're fortunate to still have these around. And I'm hoping that as many people as possible have a chance to visit them and to learn all of the stories and to hear all of the stories, both good and bad, that come out of our California missions. Well, I've only lived in California for about six weeks, so I've only gone to one mission. So you're quite, you're, you're quite ahead of me there, but I intend to, to see as many as I can. Uh, I keep hearing about the one that you mentioned, Santa Barbara, which isn't too far from me. So maybe sooner rather than later. I'll, uh, I'll get up there and, and, and see that one as well. Uh, final question. If somebody wants to learn more about the California Missions and the California Missions Foundation, uh, how do they go about finding more information? Definitely visit our website, CaliforniaMissionsFoundation.org, all spelled out. We have a lot of information about our foundation and the projects that we've supported and funded. We talk about our school program, our membership program our conference, our annual publication, the bulletin. But we also have pages on all of the missions to find out interesting facts and to see images, both still pictures and a fascinating collection of high-definition video and drone footage of most of the missions, if not all. And it's really a great one-stop shop to learn about the foundation and also the California missions CaliforniaMissionsFoundation.org. I will definitely link to that in the uh, in the show notes. Um, thank you so much, Mr. Bolton. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting to explore some of these missions myself. Thank you so much. Thanks.
and thank you for the opportunity. It was a pleasure.